Hello and welcome to Talking Economics, where we give our authoritative take on global markets, the economy, and the world of business. I'm your host, Tilak Saravanan, and thank you for tuning into this episode. The last few episodes, I looked at how the food industry was impacted and during the, during the pandemic and the future of the industry. So in today's episode, I'm going to look at a different industry that was impacted during the pandemic, and that industry is the retail industry. The retail industry, on average, is accountable for more than 6% of a country's economy. And before the pandemic, the average retailer earned more than $30,000 a month. But during the pandemic, the industry was impacted the most. With consumers, un- with consumers unable to go out and purchase products, it led to the demand for their products decreasing substantially, which led to the industry's revenue also decreasing significantly. To tell us more about how the industry was impacted, we have Mr. Roel Van Kriegkind. Mr. Roel is the Head of Customer Experience and Business Performance at IKEA. Thank you very much for being here today, Mr. Roel. Before we dive into this episode, could you please share with us what your job entails and more information about IKEA? First of all, it's nice being here. Uh, thank you for the invite. Um, so I'm actually uh, uh, working with Southeast Asia, and um, I've been within uh, IKEA for 15 years. Worked in different parts of the organization uh, on on the global level, and um, you could say I've, I've been here now in Southeast Asia for four years. What I do, uh, or what I actually have the pleasure and the honor to do, different kinds of uh, Things in my job, uh, I'm responsible for strategic planning, business control, operations, and and then specifically more in, in the process uh, management and uh, workforce management. Uh, I also have uh, commercial insights and steering, and I'm also responsible for the customer experience, as you said, where uh, recently typically digitalization and, and, and data science uh, are guiding us to a better omni-channel experience. Um, in the first place, to provide better convenience, and, and and more customer engagement yeah that's uh so this it's quite a handful but uh, it keeps me busy and it's, it's quite fun thank you very much for sharing some light on both your company and yourself without further ado let's get into today's episode as i highlighted earlier the pandemic had a huge impact on several industries and your industry was arguably impacted the, mo- the worst could you explain to us the impact the pandemic had on your industry obviously the first thing i think was that um having a lot of stores closed uh, meant that uh, online sales became a matter of survival for for the many and and maybe even more so for the the smaller businesses um but specifically also uh for for categories that uh typically were not yet on the online uh, sphere um so i would say in the in the immediate uh, term it was a great growth for online players players uh, as long as supply and, and fulfillment were, of course, secured, and that was not for all. Um, all of us as consumers, we've definitely uh, explored much more digital journeys. Um, the impact of the pandemic uh, has affected all parts of the customer journey. And and from the discovery and the browsing, you could say, to really also what the payment and, 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 and the services and, and returns, uh, we were all forced to go online. And I will. I, I really think that that will stick after the pandemic um, to a certain extent. And it will, of course, depend from which category um, or which country even. Um, if you think of industries where I believe that it will mainly be, be stay online, it will typically be more apparel and homeware. But, for example, we also offer in IKEA uh, the furnishing part. That, I think, that uh, people will still use uh, stores and offline 
as uh, it, it concerns higher price purchases and, and a more complex um, delivery as well. And people want to touch and feel for those kind of purchases. Um, so the, the, the migration towards online will not be uniform, as I said. Um, it will depend on online maturity, market competition, uh, regulation, infrastructure, and many other factors. Um, if we look on more, let's say, the medium term, where we live now, you could say, uh, you can see that many uh, retailers, both, both online and offline, they, uh, they face issues with uh, disruption uh, in the supply chain, um, mainly due to, to the transportation issues on a, on a global level. And uh, that, of course, is leading to shortages and, and inflation of the transport costs as such. Um, not only in the inflow of the goods is more expensive, it also leads to a higher sad flow because there is uh, an increased amount of uh, late failed incomplete deliveries, which comes with uh, costs. So I would say that overall, um, there is definitely uh, a profitability challenge for retailers. Um, in the first place, for the physical uh, players, uh, they need to change their operating model uh, due to the sudden shift of uh, more online. And then um, especially these players will find it challenging to rebalance their costs while they need to invest in new capabilities. Um, not only that, uh, having COVID-19 uh, and everybody going online, this has definitely increased competition and impacted margins. When we look at um, the rising online sales, this, this also comes with quite some operational challenges. I just referred to before that uh, uh, it comes sometimes with uh, challenges in, in, in returns, but overall in fulfillment and after sales, we see that there is capacity constraints at delivery companies, sometimes uh, poor accessibility to warehousing staff, higher demands of the customers as such, um, different delivery solutions due to COVID restrictions. So all of these things bring in quite some operational challenges, which comes with a cost. And then um, marketing spend, uh, not to be forgotten, it has not only changed in nature, it has also increased. The typical external marketing or, or having a big flagship store, um, the, the banners you see across the road, that, that was no longer effective. So people went or the companies went uh, totally on social media. So the cost per acquisition of a customer uh, and, and, and the war on social media space, you could say, and search engine op optimization uh, has, has really put pressure on the margins for retailers. Mm. You mentioned how in the short term your supply chains were impacted. And during the pandemic, it was an increase in protectionism, protectionism. So we saw the number of taxes and the price of taxes increasing on exports and imports. So will the increase in taxes impact your profitability in the long term? For our company as IKEA, I, I, I am not so um, worried about that, as we have quite a good global footprint, not only on the on the retail side but also on the supply side, which gives us uh, opportunities to let's say you could, it, indeed it would increase in the medium term, mm. um, but it, we have a certain flexibility uh, in our supply network to work around that. Um, I can imagine if you do not have that global footprint then you need to cut costs indeed, and you might have to take uh, quite drastic decisions um, to protect your margins. Okay. You spoke about earlier about having an online presence was crucial during the pandemic. Could you explain further, and can you say how effective the industry's response has been to the pandemic? 
It's a good question. I, I, I actually have been amazed how quick uh, retailers have turned around, specifically smaller businesses, and how in, in, uh, innovative they've become, uh, not only in, in interacting with the customers, but reaching their customers. So even more so than, than you could say, the bigger players. Um, specifically innovation fulfillment, people needed to access their customers. So you saw all sorts of business uh, coming up with new fulfillment solutions, to, such as a well, slow or, or increased or more flexibility on delivery time slots, curbside pickup, all sort of click and collect solutions. And even today in our stores in, in Malaysia and Thailand, having such extended delivery options remains crucial. Um, we've just reopened the stores after another closure of uh, more than two months. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would say in, it has been effective for many retailers, uh, but it's not been efficient. So that it comes with a lot of manual backend processes. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, people have been very, or the retailers have been very customer focused. However, return flows have not been easier. Yeah? That, that comes also with a cost. Uh, also for the customer, it's not been always easy when the return was uh, ne needed to happen. Once the situation will stabilize, um, we will see a trend towards a more convenience model. Um, we will not just cut the typically fulfillment solutions that have been invented, um, but there it comes uh, with a cost, I think, in the future. And then, and then I think how people will engage with this or retailers will engage with will be more through probably uh, solutions such as subscription models, such as, for example, Amazon Prime has. Um, I also see that the increased working from home and, and, and you could say a new sanitized experience in shopping malls has reduced city center visitation. So retailers are, are closing down their city center location. And despite the rent debate that shopping center landlords and in some cases uh, government supports provides, many retailers will be left with more physical outlets than they can actually commercially justify, often tied to inflexible lease structures. So this transition uh, will ultimately put profitability under on, under intense pressure. And and then talking about physical stores, uh, previously flagship stores in, in top locations served as a marketing investment. While people spend more time at home, the marketing investment on brand positioning such as has shifted drastically um, to social media. Facebook, Google, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, and others become the, 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 the landlords, actually, of the digital environment. Um, Many retailers are fighting for that space, some, some more effective than others. Also, what we experienced lately in, in, in our own organization is that, that I see there's a war for talent in retail, for digital marketing. And um, so a lot of people are, are shifting ships, um, which is, is quite uh, disturbing, of course. But there's, uh, you can see that there's a, um, a scarcity of, uh, of, of talent in, in the retail area. Um, also, you could say, I, I mentioned before that the, the returns remains an issue for many retailers. Um, that puts also some pressure. Uh, there's been an innovation indeed, um, and uh, but it, it, it needs to become more effective. Um, you can see that more and more um, retailers, I would say more the, the smaller ones, but even the bigger ones, they turn to um, partnerships uh, where third-party suppliers handle the returns at scale to ease costs through technology and automation. And overall, what will be 
become even more important and probably the key enabler for uh, innovation or for survival for retailers is, is to become data-driven. Business, businesses need to adopt a more detailed and, and data-driven uh, approach to the entire customer journey and, and, and the way they, they take investments. Also at IKEA, we've accelerated investments in data warehousing, analytical capabilities, adopting a, uh, artificial intelligence solutions, investing in customer data platforms, establishing one single customer view to better understand, serve, and interact with our customers. Um, nevertheless, irrespective of the nuances across operations, successful companies will be those that quickly deploy effective margin improvement strategies targeted at the largest cost drivers underpinning the digital switch. For most retailers, these centers, uh, these center around uh, digital marketing, supply chain optimization, and channel mix uh, management. As, as a greater portion, you could say, a proportion of sales migrate online, what will become really key themes will be for, 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 for companies, data and technology. If I think of some others, it's definitely packaging um, for the final mile delivery and, and, and the returns, as I said before. Yeah. I mean, with the transition to become more data-driven, it shows how your industry and your company is accelerating its investments towards globalization 4.0. So could you explain further how your industry is adapting to globalization 4.0 and what it means for your industry? And uh, for me, the globalization 4.0 tackles two main global challenges. Um, one is typically uh, related to the climate and sustainability. The other around social inclusiveness. Uh, and both we will rely on goodwill from all parties to cooperate, share knowledge, specifically on, on technical innovation. And if we think about the first one being sustainability, for within retail, I would say that um, cooperation between retailers and the public sector to make the movement of goods as harmless for the planet from supplier to customer will be crucial. It will also require a joint effort to make consumers aware and accountable for the full impact of their buying behavior and the choices they take, both in terms of product as in the way they transport them. But also marketplaces, if you think of Lazada, Shopee, um, Amazon, they will need to take social and environmental responsibility. Today they move increasingly in amount of volume, though they take hardly any accountability nor report on true impact, merely act as an intermediary for different brands. In terms of social inclusiveness, um, Besides taking normal commitments, I feel retailers have a social responsibility to provide a better life for the many, more wealth to the many. Uh, the affordability is usually a more long-term strategy for companies. Um, uh, but in general, companies tend to be more short-term focused. But if you think about how important that becomes for more and more consumers, um, this could be an important brand value that consumers will take into account in their next purchase. In both areas, IKEA, I, I feel that we can be really proud of what we've done over the last uh, years. We've taken really strong uh, commitments uh, backed, of, backed up with billions of investments. Um, in re first place, in, in regards of, in regards of affordability, our, our mission has always been to continuously invest in lowest price for qualitative and functional home furnishing so that more of the many can live a better life at home by having uh, access to affordable furnishing and, and, and home organization. And in regards to sustainability, they were really pacing it up. Um, 
IKEA and the IKEA Foundation have since decades reinvested profit in long-term investments to be a responsible neighbor. Um, more recently, we've taken on a more leading role in setting strong commitments in becoming uh, people and planet positive by 2030. Uh, that includes, uh, well, first of all, designing our, our IKEA products with new circular principles with the goal to only use renewable and, and recycled materials. Typically, that would involve uh, removing all single-use plastics, and that actually we already have uh, implemented in our stores and, and uh, sorry, in our restaurants. Um, but also achieving zero emissions by uh, for our home deliveries by 2025, um, and expanding the the offer of uh, affordable home solar solutions uh, within our markets. The scarceness of resources, transport capacity restrictions, and increased tension on on global um, political scale will not only be a hindrance to the, the much required cooperation. I also believe that uh, more protectionism uh, will will occur in, in production, as in the retailing. Uh, this could lead to decentralized or more localized production. Uh, I assume that global retailers will need to, to create more adoptable business models to be locally relevant. Uh, maybe if you think of, well, probably a more increased need of for, for consumer for a certain identity that they link with a brand, um, but also stronger local uh, local legal frameworks. Uh, from supply perspective, it will uh, widen the supply matrix for most retailers, requiring then, of course, strong investment in order in order orchestration to deal with both the channel mix for the inflow as the outflow towards the customers. You talked about how IKEA's goal is to be more sustainable, but that sustainability comes with a huge cost, and especially for smaller retail companies. So wouldn't it discourage retailers from being sustainable and choosing re uh, sustainable methods? It will definitely discourage them. And uh, I think, as you say, you need a little bit of um, solid financial foundation to, to make a change, um, although change can be in the small things as well. But to really be solid also on your sustainabil sustainability commitments, you need to do that throughout the value chain as a retailer. Um, the consumers will also hold you responsible as a brand for the entire value chain, although that maybe as a retailer you only take part of, it, uh, uh, of one part. Um, however, I am I'm really convinced that you see an increased awareness and, and importance on, among consumers to actually only be loyal to brands and take even daily small purchase decisions on on the the, the sustainability or the accountability that a brand takes in terms of uh, uh, of that uh, those sustainability commitments so that, that they will you will be able to charge more and regain in terms of consumer base but also maybe in margin in many developed economies, regulations are being eased and consumers are allowed to have physical offices. But I believe the pandemic has created a new trend of work from home and many firms are going to stick to that trend. So how does that impact your industry? In our industry, it's been actually good uh, in terms of demand. Um, it's, uh, in, well, first of all, we provided for many uh, families uh, the the solution to having to find their, their new life at home um, and try to organize. So in that sense, um, it was good. Um, now, if you think from a broader perspective, 
I think that uh, it will have an impact on, on certain categories. And, and we have a few categories as well within our, in our own range that definitely will have a, a also a negative effect uh, of it. Um, in regards of consumer behavior, I, I, I think it will be a major change. Uh, if you think about the last part of the 20th centuries, a century, retailers could be found basically on the outskirts, on the suburbs. And then since around 2000, Retails became or came more physically closer to the cust uh, customers by entering the city as part of overall urbanization. Uh, currently, that uh, concentration of people and the concentrated flows of commuting has drastically changed, and that was really the lifeline for many of those retailers. And, and so they, these retailers now need to rethink their network of physical meeting points, um, but also repurposing the shopping centers to create, again, a more relevant and rewarding destination sort of experience centers that people will uh, attract, although there is now much more online uh, solutions. At the same time, the last mile network will be will again have to be redesigned, as in many places, residential areas are still at a considerable distance of city centers with collection points. So the collection points will have to be remapped, re, uh, you could say. Online will continue to grow. And the most efficient and strategic way to use consumer data will be will become the key success factor, as I mentioned before. Margins have become so tight that the investment in the wrong meeting points can easily lead to bankruptcies. So data analytics and using it for a greater purpose, such as sustainability and or inclusiveness, will provide retailers with consumer consent to use their data. At the same time, retailers and brands will have to build that trust where consumers are willing to let go of privacy, in first instance for more convenience, such as, for example, closer collection points, but more so if it is serving a better world. Mm. You mentioned about how margins have become so tight. So obviously suppliers have to find methods to cut costs to gain l a larger revenue and make up for the revenue lost. But with, the, with an extremely strong online presence, they wouldn't need a physical shop and this would benefit them greatly as it would cut costs massively especially here in Singapore where rent costs are through the roof. So is it a possibility to see less physical shops and more online pr platforms? Well, the trend is definitely going that way. If I think of our, about our own business, uh, pre-COVID we were uh, having 12% of our sales online. Now we're closer to 20%. Mm. At the same time, it depends on the category, I feel. As I mentioned before, there's different. If, if you have an apparel shop, I'd probably go full online maybe. Um, at the same time, other categories will uh, require such uh, support, uh, physical support. Um, to give an example, if we open up a, a uh, let's say we have online presence in certain markets, as soon as we open up a physical touch point, also the online sales go up uh, with uh, really expansion exponentially, where you can see that it depends on what kind of business, but that inspiration moment face to face um, support and decision in planning uh, having that face to face does make a difference in a buying decision whether it's online or offline so I do believe in a good mix of both mm -hmm. again depending on um, footprint and type of uh, business thank you very much Mr. Rowell for your profound insights Thanks for listening to Talking Economics. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into how the retail industry was impacted during the pandemic and how its future is shaping out to be. In my next episode, I'll be diving deeper into the future of the retail industry. If you're keen to hear more about it, tune in next week. Thank you.